From Crema, this is Option 5, a podcast about product and innovation teams and how they take the leap to say yes and figure it out. I'm George Brooks. And I'm Dan Linhart. Hey, George. Dan, how are you? I am, I'm good. My, my legs are a little sore from my ride yesterday, but other than that. Did you do a morning ride or an evening ride? Morning. I don't, I'm pretty much only ride in the morning, except for on the weekends. Mm-hmm. I don't have time to otherwise. Mm-hmm. My ride in it tomorrow. It takes a while, doesn't it? Yeah, that's the thing. That's With cycling. I, cycling, I mean, it's, it's a long for, thing. I mean, it's at least an hour. Yeah, pretty much every ride's an hour. Yeah. I have never done a real long ride. I think maybe one day I will. But like, you know where people are riding like two, three, four, five, six hours. Mm-hmm. That just sounds miserable. Or bike across some sort of track of land. Yep. I've never done that. I mean, I've mostly just ridden around the Olathe area. <laughs> not <laughs> This vicinity. I'm just, just kind of right there. Uh, or on my trainer, which is what I was on yesterday because it's been pouring. Oh, right? I got you. It has been raining. It's been foggy. Foggy, rainy, wet. I know people don't like this weather. I love it. It's just very cozy. I don't it's, mind it. It's different. I think I like it. Why I like rain or good storms or fog, it's because it's like, it's not normally like that. Normally, mm-hmm. it's just like this. It's either cloudy or sunny, but not really doing anything. But mm-hmm. when it gets downpour rain and the lightning and the thunder and or, or fog where you can't see further, mm-hmm. it's just abnormal and it's kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make me as restless. When in the spring and the summer come and it's really nice outside. You want to get out there? I get really restless and I'm like, I really don't want to be in the office anymore. That's fair. It's fair. I don't know. I just I want to be outside doing something. We yeah. have a results-based environment, Dan. You can do that. I know. I know. But then so, you'd have to make up that time other <laughs> someplace else. In the evening. Yes. Or the wee, wee hours of the morning. Yeah. Uh, what about you? How's, how's, how's things? Things are good. A little bit of different week. Why? My wife Lisa is doing a little bit of travel. Oh, where's she going this week? Well, she she teaches. Um, she does some online courses through Fort Hay State. She I, has to go there that. once a year. Oh, okay. So this is the trip. Yeah. One. So she's doing like um, student interviews for those that want to be in the in the program. Are you good enough for me to teach you? That's right. Do you know who I am? <laughs> what makes she's you totally not like that? Qualified. So yeah, she leaves. She's at work. She had to work different days this week. So, you know, it's just not the norm when, when your schedule's messed up a little bit. Yeah. It's, it's good. It's all good. It's just different. I got to leave a little early today to be home by the time. The, roughly by the time gets kids at home, like mm-hmm. they can, they'll survive for a little mm-hmm. bit. They're old enough. So this is episode eight. We've been talking a lot about product teams. That it's something we think about. And today we wanted to discuss the idea of multiplying product teams. What so do what, you, yeah, what do you mean by multiplying product teams? Yeah. How would you define the word, quote, multiply, unquote? Multiply, <laughs> quote, end quote. Um, you could reasonably think that multiplying product teams is just, if you're growing, have more people, more yeah. product teams, building more products, which yeah. is true. It's part of it. It's part of it. But what we're trying to discuss here is the idea of multiplying each individual on your team for higher levels of productivity, mm. higher levels of um, personal growth and professional growth, so that the idea is that you can get more out of, you can lead more out of your team. Because um, a lot of times, it, especially if you're in a big organization, if you're a product owner or product manager in a big organization, you're given um, tasks or projects that are are big, that are maybe bigger than what you think your team can do. Yeah. And a lot of the, fir- the first reaction and I I'm there too, especially when we, we were a smaller company is, Oh, we need more people. Yeah. Or we can't we do can't that. Do that. We don't have the resources. Yeah. And what this, um, idea of multiplying, um, talks about is that you can actually probably get more done and more out of your people. So if you're getting 80% of your people, maybe you could get a hundred or 110% out of them. If you lead them in a slightly different way. Right. <clears throat> yeah. And I think that's something we've, it doesn't feel like that logic actually works. Right. Right. How it's do you get 120 out of someone? Yeah. Right. I assume everybody's still work, already working hard. Mm-hmm. Um, but how to, how to, and I think that, that we'll get into this, but how to really um, lead or encourage or coach people to be thinking about 
how to be doing their work well, what do they need to be doing, what do they not need to be, you know, like all those little pieces, those disciplines and those habits and those routines go into being a much more mm-hmm. productive person and then team. Cause right. like then that multiplies our, no pun intended, that really wasn't, it, would, it, it compounds, that's right. probably a better way to say, into yeah. the team being more, right. being able to mul- multiply their effectiveness. Right, and we've been, I mean, ever since we first started, we've talked about we want to grow an amazing team. And at that point, we probably didn't have like all the words to describe what that looked like. We just know we wanted a team that everyone enjoyed being together and we produced amazing things. And over the years, we've developed our own, you know, leadership philosophies and ways we want to develop people. Um, But recently we've read um, a book and we just want to reference it uh, called Multipliers, How the Best Leaders Make Everyone Smarter by Liz Wiseman. And so we're going to be referencing this book today. We're going to be talking about um, definitely our own flavor on the on the topics and and how we do what she talks about. But she does an amazing job of unpacking what does it look like for leaders to get the most out of their people. Um, And I love her definition. Um, Multipliers are genius makers. What we mean by that is that they make everyone around them smarter and more capable. Multipliers invoke each person's unique intelligence and create an atmosphere of genius, innovation, productive effort, and collective intelligence. So basically, multipliers are fantastic. Um, uh, They're great around people. They not only know how to hire, recruit, get the best people on their team, but they're really good at getting the best out of their team. Yeah, and I think that's, it doesn't, sometimes, again, going back to this doesn't always feel natural because I think most leaders or managers want to be it, she talks about the two different types of ma- managers, which she impacts in different vocabulary and different ways throughout the book. But there's the the genius maker, which you referred to, and mm. then there's the genius, right? Right. Or the person that thinks they're the genius, which is a much more top down mm-hmm. approach to management and leadership, which is to say, I know what's best across the board, and you're going to do what I think is best. And there's a lot. I mean, there's lots of different ways that lives out. Um, but I think that that's it. Doesn't feel natural. It feels like I'm a leader, or I'm. I've got a team in front of me here that needs to be told what to do. Mm-hmm. And so they're just waiting for me to tell them that brilliance. Right. Um, and so this is a different way of thinking. And right. I, I, we, what was encouraging was, I think there was a lot of this was what we were kind of naturally. That's a little bit more of our personality. Right. Though we do have accidental diminisher right. qualities. Yep. Um, we were kind of already doing this. So this gave us a great vocabulary about around like, oh, oh yeah, this is, this is why it works. Right. And right. now we can even go further with it and yep. we can start to multiply that in, right. in our leadership style. So yep. and there required was even, reading now. At, at it Kermit. is. Yeah. yeah. We're even doing a book study right now around it. And one little anecdote is that someone on our staff, after uh, she had gotten done re- reading, I don't know if it was all of it, but the majority of it, she came to me and she said, this book has finally given me language mm. on how to discuss um, some diminishing Um, qualities in someone I was working with. Like it actually gave me language to see what this person was doing and then how to respond to it. And it's made our working relationship better. Yeah. So that, I mean, that's awesome. The fact that we've been pushing this way, but this book, because the way it's been written just again, gave us just a fresh way to talk about it. Well, and I think I want to, want to give one caveat that it doesn't, while we're definitely, you and I see it through a leadership lens, right? What, what I love about it is one of the reasons we had the whole team do it, not just our leadership team, right. is that it's also how you treat your peers mm-hmm. and how you treat your clients and how you treat your vendors and everything else um, that gets the most out of them. So how do I get the most out of that developer that's sitting next to me on my team? And how do I... How do I empower and multiply the genius in the the vendor that we've right. asked, you know been asking to work with? Like that can be done literally right. in every relationship we have, which Absolutely. is awesome, awesome. And at home too. I was thinking about this the other day. Is you know um, I have four kids. Georgie have three kids, mm-hmm. and we are constantly looking for like how they their natural giftings, how they were created. Yep. You know these uh, talents and gifts. And when you see that, I think as a parent, it can be easy to be like, well, you know. I have these gifts. And so I naturally want to see maybe those gifts. In my they kids. should just have them too. Yeah. <laughs> they should be like me. And if they don't, I'll just force them to have right, them. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. And what this book has caused me to do is that when I see something in my kid that like, I am totally not like that, but that is really cool. Yeah. How can you start to reinforce that and bring that out even more by maybe new, like taking them on some sort of, you know, um, 
experience or date or whatever that you normally wouldn't. Yeah. But it's because it's important to them yeah. and it brings something out yeah, of them. It's so I don't good. Know. It just it just brings on the uh, flip side, when my kids are too much like me, that actually drives me crazy. Right. More. I'm and like, you're like, why don't do that? Don't do that. <laughs> do you know where that will get you in life? Look at your father. <laughs> Look at me. <laughs> do you want to be like me? No. Just kidding. Um, so we just read uh, the definition in the book. Yeah. But there's a few things that as we think about um, multipliers and how we look at leadership just in general here at Crema, there's a few things that um, people who are multiplying well, mm-hmm. these this is what who they are or what they do. And so the first one that multipliers are consistently looking for ways to develop themselves and their teams. And I think it's important to hear that, yes, grow your team, coach your team, but you also need to take a look within and grow yourself as well. Yeah. Because I think what we've seen is that when individuals on our on our team are trying to be the best versions of themselves, when they're working together, they are naturally going to make everyone around them better. It's funny. I mean, we, right before we started recording, I was I was telling you that it's a different season for me going from being a practitioner mm. of design or strategy or even a little bit of product management now into not really doing a whole lot of client work, mm-hmm. really working on crema and a few other kind of special projects that we have. It's a different muscle mm-hmm. and I'm having to kind of unlearn and relearn, which I love, but it's hard, you know? Right. And so I think that that's part of my quote unquote constant improvement right now mm-hmm. is how do I, how do I step into this new role? And in, in so I have to trust and empower and maybe multiply myself to mm-hmm. to the team saying, hey guys, you got this. You don't need me to come in and tell mm-hmm. you the strategy of that project anymore. You don't mm-hmm. need me to, to tell you what that UI should look like um, and, the, and really empowering them to to be the geniuses of that work now. Right. Um, that's, a, that's a pivot. That's, that's a hard it's, thing, even as a leader to do. Absolutely. I went through the same thing. Um, I remember talking to you about that four or five years ago when we hired our first project manager. Yeah. And I remember leaving my last client project and now trying to focus on more weeping. operational. You were just weeping. Why were you crying so much? <laughs> I didn't know who I was or what I wanted to do. Uh, um, it's a different muscle. I like how you said that. It's a different muscle. It's a different quadrant of your brain to go to a more strategic, okay, now instead of working within the business, I'm going to work on it and grow the business as a whole. And it took me a while, and you're probably feeling the same thing now, is that in order, the best thing for me to do is stay out of their way. Like you just yeah, said, right. like for them, for our product teams to get better. So for designers and strategists to get better at what they're doing, you need to become the best version of your next thing. Right. So that they can become right. better at what they're doing. And that's hard. It, it's it, very hard. It's not easy. And it leads to sleepless nights and it leads to like, Oh Josh, I hope people know that I'm doing things around here. <laughs> And I, I just, I was telling my wife last night, we went for a walk and I was saying, man, I mean, I'm, and this is like, she knows our walk time is basically time for me to like start to turn it all off. Mm -hmm. And so we're walking the dog and I, I'm just like, I know I got things done, but they were different things. (laughs) And I think they were useful. And it's just like, it's just, it's, it's a pivot and it is, it is starting to go. Okay. Now, how do I think about that being something that is a gift to the team that is encouraging the team that is empowering them to do the work that they do best. Right. Um, so I'm, I think to your, the second point here is, is I'm, I'm having to push myself hard mm. right now, but also how do we push our teams hard right. really towards, um, that level of excellence mm-hmm. that we know that they're capable of. Right. Um, and I think that's one thing that there's a difference between pushing people hard to say, Hey, just put more hours in and work harder. Mm-hmm. Because the move, I want to see more movement mm-hmm. and versus push hard to be more excellent. Right. Um, even to kind of go towards, I think I've mentioned this on a previous podcast, Bill Gates statement of the laziest person is the most efficient person. I'm not asking you to be lazy. I, I am asking you to look for the efficiencies mm-hmm. to look for where you can do what you do better. Um, and these, I mean, we're, you might see some parallels. We're lining these up with our values. This Absolutely. is definitely aligned with our results-based culture. Right. Um, but we, it does take when, as a coach now mm-hmm. of these teams, instead of a practitioner, pushing them to say, I think you're capable of doing even better quality work than you are now, even though you're doing great. Mm-hmm. And maybe even doing more of that, you know, right. like 
opening their minds to the possibility right is a big is a big thing yeah i think if you think of maybe coaches teachers mentors or even maybe former bosses that you've had in the past that you've really respected i don't think you would ever look back and say that um you might say that they were friendly but I think what really drives to like, they got the most out of me is because they pushed me hard. Yeah. They saw the potential yeah. and, um, they weren't, I'm going to use the word fluffy yeah. as like, you know, just lightly, but they weren't good leaders, multipliers. Yes. They know their people. Well, they get to know them. Well, they are friendly, they're kind, but they push hard. They, they expect results. They expect a push yeah. towards excellence. And I think the difference between people that demand perfection right. and demand excellence is that line yeah. of yeah. people, leaders that are going to push towards results that are clear mm-hmm. and that they're going to hold you accountable. They want excellence. They're, they don't want perfection. Right. Cause you there can't is, expect perfection. There is space to fail. Absolutely. Um, and you're going to make mistakes because if you don't make mistakes, then going back to the point of this podcast, you're not taking option mm-hmm. five moments, which are those small risks that lead to big opportunities. Right. Mm-hmm. So we want to see you take those risks. We want to see you push yourself to, to, to say yes and figure it out. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and likely you can, um, right. that was, it made me, we, this is kind of a corny, uh, analogy, but we were watching, um, it's actually kind of old now. Uh, the, the most recent karate kid with Jackie Chan. Have you seen that movie? I have not. It's really I saw good. All the originals obviously as a kid, but I have not seen the most it. Recent. Well, and I guess it, this parallel works with the originals too, yeah. but it's this sense of like, um, it's Will Smith's son that's in it, oh, but yeah, he's, yeah. he's, he's a kid. He's now like an adult. Yeah. Um, so it was, it was several years ago, but, um, the kids, my kids absolutely love it. And there's a point at which the kid's just like, I can't do that. I'm not, I can't kick that high or mm-hmm. I can't, I, I won't be able to defend myself in this fight or whatever. Um, and then it's the, it's basically Jackie Chan, which I'm sure he has a name in the movie, but he's just Jackie Chan, mm-hmm. um, saying like, no, we're going to, I'm going to push you to just do the discipline. You're going right. to, you're going to keep training. And then of course, by the end of the movie, he's, you know, far better than he would have ever been as a child, but whatever it, you know, he's, mm-hmm. he's good at it. Um, right. and it just took somebody saying, stop talking to your, don't stop telling you yourself. You can't do it. Right. And I'm going to push you to say, well, why, why not? Yeah. Have you, have you tried? I love that. Are you going to, Oh, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. It, it actually good. made me just think of a, of a quote in another movie. And so this is also going to be, you're corny. better at quotes than I am, but the movie, a league of their own, uh, oh, with Tom Hanks. Yeah. Um, it gets to a scene. Why, where why do I leads. only go to the scene where he's in the bathroom, just peeing for a really long time. It's the scene that I immediately like, Oh yeah, that's the one where he pees <laughs> for a really a... long time. <laughs> There's so many other great scenes in that movie, but that, that is one of funny. Them. It's a funny scene. I'm um, sorry. Keep going. That's all right. One of his best players is leaving and she says it just got too hard. And he, a couple lines where he says it's supposed to be hard. If, if it wasn't hard, everyone would do it. The hard right. is what makes it great. Right. And so the idea of leading well and then responding well to leaders, of course it's going to be hard, mm-hmm. but that's because it's good. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, that could be a whole podcast that like it could literally be not just an episode, a whole podcast right. on its own is about on, on work and why it, like it's hard, hard work, <laughs> hard work and yeah. why it matters and why it's good. Yep. Yeah. Um, next one, multipliers are direct and kind. Mm. And this kind of leads to another, um, recent conversations we've had around our leadership team. And what does it mean to not only lead people here, but lead our clients is that, um, I've heard it said to be unclear is to be unkind. Yep. And so I think we 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 want to be so nice sometimes, what, you know? Um, uh, oh, yesterday he talked about there's a difference between... I don't want to steal his yeah, like right. original thought, but somebody told us this idea yeah. of you can be nice or you can be kind, but you have to pick one. Exactly. And I think he's telling people to be kind. Right. <laughs> you know, we didn't get, we, we, we didn't, didn't know anything about the talk. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he's, he's working on a talk, but I think that is what you're trying to say. You can be nice. Yeah. And you want to dance around, mm-hmm. especially if you have something critical to say to someone it's, yeah, you are being kind. If you are giving feedback, critical feedback, that's going to make someone better so that they can be the best version of themselves. Yeah. But if you want to be nice and you don't want to offend someone, you're going to dance around it and you won't be clear. And that is not kind. I think that's really key. I, I think that probably people think that Crema is a nice company mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, until they actually spend some time with us. And then I think when in reality, there are definitely moments when we're just being nice. I mean, right. like that's human. Yep. Um, but that I think in reality, we are kind in the fact that 
it's not easy to work here. Right. I, that would be that would be nice. Right. Like, hey, come, you no know, work whenever you want. You're right. you're young. Yeah. You've got creative freedom. You know, <laughs> and and it's like, no, we're we're kind of to say like. Working here is great. Mm-hmm. It is a blast, but it's hard work. But it's hard work. Yep. And, and yeah, that's good. Yep. I like that one. I like that one a lot. Next one. Multipliers believe in the phrase, we are better together. And this connects to our value of collaboration mm-hmm. is that you're going to multiply your team. If you are multiplying your team because you want the most out of them, then you inherently believe in that statement yeah. of we are better together. We, so multipliers say things like this. We're not going to get there unless everyone's aligned. We're not going to get there unless everyone's on board. Right. We need, every, we can't have a weak link. We need everyone to be on their A game. We need to be, have people at the top of their game in order to accomplish, accomplish this. I mean, yes, develop yourself. You have to do that. Mm-hmm. But what's probably even more important is you have to be invested in multiplying your people. Which goes back to pretty much all of our previous episodes yep. of what are the, <clears throat> what are the option five kind of risks or some of them are risks and some of them are just practices, right? What are the things that you're taking a, a leap of faith? A, you're making a concerted effort to say, we're going to do this better. Mm-hmm. We're going to handle our remote teams better by having tools and resources and processes to do it. We're going to empower people through celebration and transparency. But, you know, like being intentional with saying and doing those things is going to create a better collaborative environment. Exactly. Um, so it's not just one like, hey, collaborate better. Come on, guys, just right. just collaborate. It's like all the stuff that goes into making that work yep. then creates an environment where people are vacuuming. I think, <laughs> is it a vacuum or a... S- or is it a leaf blower outside? No, I think it. I think yeah. it's a vacuum. Yeah. It creates environments where people... We va- did, uh, people Cleanliness, you know? We didn't used to have <laughs> neighbors. Um, That's right. We do now. I need to work... I really want to work on can- like noise yeah, canceling getting, this room. Yeah, airtight. For sure. Okay. Um, Sorry for just going to have to deal with that sound in the background. All right. Last one is that multipliers are both optimistic Mm. and realistic. And so when you think about putting those two words next to each other is think about the last time you issued a challenge or you gave an initiative or a project to someone on your team, or it's the next sprint. If you're on a product team, it's the next sprint. And this person is going to like tackle a really complicated or complex feature. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a stretch goal. It's optimistic, but you're, you're pairing it with their skill set as well. You know what their strengths are. Yeah. And so it doesn't make any sense. I don't want to say it doesn't make any sense. It's probably not the best use of your time to try to issue a goal to someone that you know it's completely out of their realm, whether from a knowledge, intelligence, or just strength standpoint. Yeah. yeah. What does make sense and what truly will multiply someone is if you stretch someone within their their giftings, within their, yeah. their strengths. So really leaning into their strengths. Yeah, I, I'm. My brain is going to the to a couple examples that I I want to be careful. <laughs> I want to be careful to share because I don't think it's the right time. But the the thing that pops into my head is that I think there's a place to to challenge someone to go beyond what mm-hmm. they're capable of, which goes to this kind of push hard. Mm-hmm. But then to balance that with like that's an optimism too. Like I believe in you. I'm mm-hmm. optimistic that you can pull this off. Right. Right. But then there's a realistic like that means that I need to think about the constraints in which you're going to have to do it within. Mm -hmm. Um, So that might mean an understanding that it's going to take a little bit more time to learn. Right now. I might not even tell you that, Mm -hmm. but in the back of my mind, I have to kind of have that, that expectation of, okay, well, they're probably going to stumble at Mm -hmm. trying to get this done. That's okay. Yep. Um, That's the realism of going, well, I can't expect this person who's never done this before is going to do it as well as the master, Mm -hmm. you know, over here but they're never going to become a master unless they're given that opportunity. Right. Um, and so I, I, we, I teeter totter on this one a lot, which is, I think what it's saying is good. Um, but sometimes I feel like I should be more optimistic, mm. uh, because I'm like, no guys, this is what we can, how, how can we, how could we, we couldn't do that. Like 
we don't have the resources. <laughs> yeah. Um, which literally this goes back to option five. Totally. Um, I was thinking the um, exact same thing. We should just be able to say, guys, let's take that risk. Let's right. learn. Um, and, and, um, but within the constraints of, well, mm -hmm. if we do take that risk, this is going to be a tough season. It's yep. going to be a lot of work to get that to work, you know? So Andy Stanley, who is a just leadership, I will call him guru, um, on a podcast talks about when you're in, particularly you're in a brainstorming session or very like a high level mm -hmm, strategy mm -hmm. session is it's so tempting for not all leaders, but a lot of leaders to start with, instead of start with wow, start with how. And yeah. so like people start like, Oh, I've got this idea and it's immediate, just this trigger of you start thinking operations or resources or possibility. And it's like, well, how are we going to do that? Yeah. And I really like what he says. And it's forced me because I am very much a how person, but it's forced me when we start to have ideas or innovative thinking is lead with the wow, lead with the wow, mm -hmm. lead with the, okay, this really is a great idea or yeah. wow, this is a big dream and it's, it might be possible. Right. Wow. Let's do the wow first. That's that vision casting. Exactly. Or, kind of, it's overused, but you get what I'm saying. It's that absolutely getting people on board. Right. Um, it's in this room, <laughs> something's going to explode. Um, he, <laughs> the radiator, the radiator. Um, but it's, it's getting people excited. And then mm -hmm. there's times when people just won't be, you know, there's yep. a time when it's, and it's like a season of like, maybe there's just a lot going on or they're over, you know, they've got a lot and personally or a lot on work. And, uh, because of that, it's like, you know what I, I, I'll right now, I'm just going to follow you. Cause I'm, I just emotionally can't get as excited as you are. <laughs> I'm not there. Yeah. But yeah. it, you know, doing that wow, that wow exercise up front, I know myself and I tend to jump into the how as well, mm -hmm. even though I'm kind of an idea guy, mm -hmm. but my immediate response is guys, I've got this idea. Let me tell you how we're going to do it. Mm -hmm. You know, like it's like, and then, you right. know, like a jump straight right. into it. Um, and I've been called out on that and something I have to constantly go like, no, I need to give space for even the team to find the how. Right. Um, and that's, that, that's, and it's a mental game too. It is a mental like you game. have to convince yourself because if you're a how person and you're in that moment, even when that person is still explaining the wow and kind of pitching the idea, we all go to in our minds of like, okay, like how would we do that? Yeah. We have the people yeah. to do that. What processes would we have to create? Ooh, that's a lot of time. Are we willing to invest that time? I mean, right. you go down this rabbit right. trail of the, how we're going to get it done. Force yourself not to do that. Yeah. Live into the wow, even contribute. Yeah. Even force yourself to be like, you know what? I see what you're saying there, but what if we even went one step further? Mm -hmm. Wow before how? Not great at that, but that's, that's good. <laughs> yeah. Okay. The, uh, the book multiplier, um, talks about the five disciplines of a multiplier. So what we wanted to do is just give a brief description of each. And then George and I, uh, wanted to just unpack a little bit from a practical standpoint. What does that look like here? And yeah. How we do that in regards to, uh, product teams and, and how we lead here. So first discipline, talent magnet, they attract talented people and use them at their highest point of contribution. So even within the words, their talent magnet, the idea of constantly being in this phase of recruiting, recruiting individuals mm. that, um, you could, I mean, run the gamut, match your culture, have the same organizational values. They have the skill sets you need. You know, we could even go to Jim Collins language of getting the right people on the bus and putting them in the right yep. seat. But the idea of if you are multiplying your team, um, people are going to want to work for you. And I, I think my statement is, is we're always recruiting. We're just not always hiring because mm -hmm. hiring has to be combined with sales and expenses and everything else. Mm -hmm. um, but so we're always looking to, to attract that talent. And that goes with us creating a good culture and, you Absolutely. Know, and us creating an environment where people, the people that work here are also mag magnetized. They're magnetized. They're magnetic. We're just rubbing off on them <laughs> so that they're like the magnetic energy gets shared. That's not what she writes about. <laughs> she does also say that it's about optimizing talent too. So, yes. um, so part of that tag uh, talent magnet is about bringing in people and optimizing them in that role. Mm -hmm. um, so um, just at the kind of summation here is that it attracts and optimizes talent. Yep. Because there's one thing to say like, well, we just got another body and they fit. It's fine. They're here. Let's get them, get them to work versus we got an, another person that's going to be an addition to the team mm -hmm. and we're going to put them in the spot and empower them to do their best work ever. 
Yep. You know, like it's just even that positioning changes the, the, the way that we, you can think about growing your teams yep. or multiplying your teams. Yep. Absolutely. And I think the single best thing and love to hear your thoughts too, that we did to kind of start us down that road is when we even started thinking about the culture of our company mm. from the beginning, mm-hmm. we said that we wanted to build a company that we would want to work for. Yeah, that's right. So we even started with the idea of like, okay, if I was an employee of this company, what would make me want to work for these guys? Yeah. What would make me want to work at Crema? That's just where we started. I mean, it, so it, it began with creating a culture that obviously you and I love. Yeah. But we wanted other people We're to biased. love too. We're biased. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I, and, and it's always, the culture has changed, but that, that definition is still true. Absolutely. Like, this is the company I would want to work for if I worked for a company that had about 40 to 50 people or 30 to 40 people in it. Yep. It's like, I would want a culture that mm-hmm. cared this much and that worked this hard and that hit the results that we hit. Mm-hmm. Like that's what I'd want. Yep. Um, I'll be honest. I haven't seen a lot of other companies like that. Um, and so I think that's where we start to be unique. And then again, we stand out in the community <sighs> or it, calm down. <laughs> about knocked over my Getting LaCroix. excited about it. <laughs> Come work for us. We actually are hiring right now. We are so hiring. That's, um, um, okay, number two. Number two is the liberator creates an intense environment that requires people's best thinking and work. So this goes back to the mm-hmm. idea of pushing hard yeah. and creating an environment that expects excellent results. And those results are clear. I think where uh, we've gotten in tr- into trouble in the past and where companies get in trouble is when they expect so much to where it becomes, it's no longer expecting results. It's you're demanding. And yeah. I think it there might a be a little bit difference. of a nuance because when I think of demanding leaders or demanding managers, that's a diminisher. There is, there's an aspect where things aren't clear. It's like you're wanting results, but you haven't set the clear picture. You yeah. haven't either one, you have maybe set the picture, but you haven't given me the resources to do it and that's frustrating mm-hmm. or um i have resources but i have no idea how you want me to use them but yet you're demanding something and i'm not quite clear so liberators are they rather than demand i feel like command they're commanding something because right. they're leading their team their people towards um, a goal that's shared it's understood and they want excellence and each person is going to perceive this differently yep <clears throat> that's something i've had to learn as I've been working with different teams. So we, we have a team that one person wants, wants freedom. They want space. They just want to be able to go say, give me some time and I will solve that problem. Mm-hmm. I just need the space to do it. And, and you know, I'll come back and we'll, this will be great. And, and that's with collaboration, but just, um, don't, don't stand over my shoulder and keep asking me how it's going. Mm-hmm. That, it, that would, that diminishes them. Um, on the flip side, similar team, another person on that team, um, they love that time where I can literally sit down right next to them and we go through the thing yeah. that they're working on mm-hmm. line by line and go, oh, maybe we could think about this. And they, they just want to nerd out with somebody. Right. And so they like, they yep. want so badly for, and they want somebody to recognize the the nuances of what they did. Mm-hmm. So they wanted me to see the, oh, did you see how I did that? It was like, oh yeah, yeah, love right. that. Let's keep that. Let's even do that throughout, you know? Right how to, you gotta have to learn each person's personality mm-hmm. because they're going to be, um, they're going to be liberated. If you will, they're going to be, um, be able to do their best thinking in different contexts. Right. Um, it, I, that, especially as we have more people, more personalities, Absolutely, that's been interesting to learn. It's the difference between those that are like, I just, just, I'm going to lock myself. It's the difference between musicians. Like I, one's going to lock themselves, him or herself in a room for three days to write a yeah, song yeah. and compose a, and the piece. other one's just like, Hey, let's I want to jam jam. Yeah. Pick up your guitar. I'll pick up mine and we'll it's see what, jazz and we'll versus, see what happens. Yeah. you know, classical or whatever, you know? Yeah. yeah. And both have the same goal. Yeah. Like they want to create a masterpiece. They want to create, create a song that people enjoy. Yeah. It's just getting to it is different. I love that. Love it. Uh, number three, the challenger. So challengers define an opportunity that causes people to stretch. So again, going back to that idea of optimism and realism, mm-hmm. challengers, Push, pushing people. you're going to push people to where it's going to hurt. It's like working out. Like you should be sore. Yeah. Tear, the, tear those muscle tear fibers. Tear those muscle fibers, yeah. build them stronger, feed them well, and you know, get stronger muscles, be, right. be healthier. Yeah. But if you leave the gym, if you've been going to the gym for two months and you're not sore at all, 
you might consider changing your workout or yeah, pushing yourself yeah. a little bit harder. You've hit a plateau. Maybe, maybe join a group class. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> maybe get a Peloton and uh, ride with people all over the world. Right. Yeah. yeah no, I think um, it's not something I, I think I've gotten better at this. This is a, this is something I've had to learn or have confidence in myself as a leader to, to, to be okay with pushing people. Mm. Um, I felt because I'm tend to be the quote unquote nice guy. There was a, there was a tendency for me to be, a night like we go back to that nice versus kind right mm-hmm. is to just be nice and mm-hmm. like as long as we all get along it'll be okay right you know um long as you like your job um and and really being like oh you know what i see job satisfaction go up on our 15-5 reports mm-hmm. our, our weekly reports that kind of do a sentiment when when somebody has been pushed mm, yeah. um and and pushed and clear about what that why that push is there um we just had uh, our marketing team um, is working on content and the team we um, Nate did a brilliant job of going back to them and saying hey you need to run your content meeting and be more explicit with what with what you want everyone to bring from a content perspective and so they did they owned that and they sat down and they and I, I wasn't in the room but this is the story I hear is that they sat down and they said guys we need this this and this and everybody needs to come with this these pieces and that that Friday they got so many more high fives, which is a thing you can kind of give people props through this platform because they were pushed to, mm-hmm. to make, make that meeting less about like, well, whatever you guys want to do, let's just do. And more like, we need mm-hmm. this content. Who's going to own it. And the team liked that. They right. wanted that. Yep. Um, and that was, that was cool to see how the best challengers in my life have been really good at asking questions. They practice mm-hmm. the Socratic method, like an art form of, if someone comes to you and say, so challengers also, they seed opportunities. So maybe a new initiative came through your leadership meeting or whatnot, and you think that someone on your team would be great for it. So you seed the opportunity to them. One of their first questions, or maybe a question will be, well, how do you oh, think I should? Uh, sorry to interrupt. My, my headset just started talking to me. Oh, <laughs> are you getting a call? No, it, just low battery. Oh, <laughs> for a second there, you looked down and I thought it was not recording. I did too. And I was like, Oh, this is really oh good. Gosh. <laughs> That's what I, I was like. Oh, what just happened? Cause I couldn't hear anything. It, I don't need the battery. It's fine. Just gotcha. carry I apologize. No, That's fine. Yeah. So one of the first questions might be, how should I approach this? Or what do you think about this approach rather than dictating? Yeah. Um, a challenger would say, well, what do you think? Or they might say, you know what? I'm going to leave that up to you. You yeah. have the freedom to do that. You know where we're going. Here's the goal. Yeah. Go after it. Yeah. Attack it. I, and even, I think that's where a great multiplying leader will, will also say like, what do you need from me? Absolutely. You know, what, how can I help you yep. accomplish that? Yep. Um, do you have everything you need? Absolutely. Yeah. And that's, that feels weird because again, you, you feel like as a leader, you're supposed to direct and tell mm-hmm. not coach and ask. It is know? different. It I, is. That's why I think we've loved this book so much. It's just yeah. like, wow, it kind of flips leadership a little bit on its head. Yep. Yep. Um, all right. Number four, debate maker. So the debate maker drives sound decisions through rigorous debates. And I think this one for me, so in our book study, we, we said, what's the one that you want to work on? This is the one I want to work mm. on. So for me is you did this to me this morning. <laughs> I'm just now realizing it. <laughs> Did it work? Did I do okay? Yeah. <laughs> it made me uncomfortable. <laughs> but that's okay. But it, And it, I think that's what has taken me a long time to understand sneaky. is that debate does not have to be argumentative. No. You can have healthy disagreements and that's okay. You can challenge people. You can even have people be uncomfortable with the questions and that's okay. And that's been hard for me. I, I want to get better at that. I... I think you need to give yourself some credit. I think you're actually already pretty good at this. Oh, well, it, then maybe I just inside feel awkward when it happens. It is awkward <laughs> because you have many times in the past been like, well, why not? And I just want to go because, because it won't work. Okay. Like just know that I've thought of all the other options and that won't work. You know, like the, this morning you were saying, like, well, have you asked him? No, but I, I don't think it will work. And, and I, you're great at that. It drives me nuts. And then I'm like, okay, fine. You're right. And then I walk away and it's just like, I will say it's the hardest one to be consistent. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Because 
especially when you get more. Um, and we said one of the goodness, uh, the good things about product teams is diverse opinion, perspective, yeah, yeah, um, experiences from previous jobs, and the, there's a goodness there. But if you don't have a leader that is doesn't have to be pr- obviously not perfect, but if they're not um, good at those starting those seasoned debates, those healthy debates that can quickly turn into just a yell fest. And you, so yeah, if, yeah. If, Although we don't, we rarely, right. when was the last time you heard somebody yell in the, like, I don't think we have a lot of yelling. I think our, though I know that nice, happens in, a, I think well, because, because we're, we're nice, nice. Yeah. It leads to maybe individuals not sharing, like shutdown. I think it leads to shutdown. We have to coach. Yeah, that's good. We have to coach a lot on giving constructive feedback or right. giving, uh, you know, causing that debate rather than just being like, yeah, cool. If that's what you want to do, let's, let's do it. Right. Whatever, you know? Um, and that's, that's almost, almost is not help. Oh, you get what I'm trying to say there. It's you also not of, good either. It's almost like I'd rather you get upset mm-hmm. and be honest so mm-hmm. we can work through it. Yeah, totally. You know what I'm saying? Totally. Yeah. Um, there's a design thinking exercise called the five whys, mm-hmm. which is just super awkward. Like at a certain point you're like, why? Because the universe exists by right. the fi- fifth why, like all you things. You feel like a kindergarten yeah, talking yeah, to exactly. their parent. <laughs> why? Why? Yeah. It's like, ah, I guess I said Just, so. <laughs> because it's what I want. <laughs> Don't embarrass me. Um, you know, it, but I, it is a, that's just a good example of an exercise that like when you don't even know how to debate and maybe you don't have a good logical like way to do that. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's just like, can you explain to me why? Mm-hmm. Um, what's, what's the reason behind that? Um, right. Or you may agree with them completely. And I think this is an example of like causing a debate just to push them to, mm-hmm. to better define the why. Mm-hmm. Um you know, that's uh, Simon Sinek's the start with why he kind of gets into that. He's right. like, sometimes you kind of have to force yourself to look at just defining it. You may have it completely clear in your brain, but you, no one else understands it. Yep. So well. one uh, tactic that I still have yet to use, I want to, but I know that one of our product managers has used it. I read about in the book decisive by the Heath brothers. And they said, when you go into a big session, if you want people to get out of their comfort zone, um, have them argue the side for the side that they disagree with. So if they're side A and side B and you are fully on board with side A, the the leader will stop and then ask you to argue for side B and vice versa for this side is B. This me shaking my head. And it's, I have, I have not been in the room when it's happened, but I've heard Who, really good things. I want to, you don't have to call him sh- out. I'm pretty sure Tuck said he's used it before. Oh, it's like so he's good. sent someone in there with the idea of like, I want you to argue. Because here's, here's how I would do it. I wouldn't do it in the way that it's supposed to be done. I would go, well, I know you think. <laughs> the, 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 so the, here's the, what you're the, saying. Yeah. yeah. Right, right, right. And I like, instead of being like, well, what about, the, the, you know, like actually trying to put right. yourself in that position. Step there, out of yourself a little there's bit. There's a podcast I don't know the name of it. I haven't listened to it yet, but it sounded interesting. And it was about this idea of actually putting people in the room that have polar opposite worldviews mm. and basically kind of not, not always encouraging them to do that, but like, can you see the other side? Right. Are you even capable of seeing it from their perspective? You may not agree with it, but mm-hmm. can you, can you empathize? Mm-hmm. Really what it's teaching is empathy. Yeah. Which is much needed in this world. Yep. All right. Number five, last one discipline of a multiplier the investor gives other people ownership for results and invests in their success i think this one is so important mm-hmm. if you really want someone to do their best work and develop into uh, an up-and-coming leader someone that you know if you're a product manager and maybe you have an up-and-coming software engineer that could be a lead architect yeah. or be the leader of of your uh, the development part of your team um they have to sense that you trust them to own their their aspect yeah. of the work. Yeah. They can't feel micromanaged. They can't feel like, oh, I'm doing somebody else's work. They have to feel like they have um, skin in the game, that they are leading the charge with their ideas and their input. And yeah, I, I can't say that enough that if you really want someone to bring out their their top strengths and use them well, give them a sense of ownership. 
Yeah, but it, she also says, uh, I wanted to capture this. I think giving them a sense of ownership is good, but the actual definition that she has for the investor is that it instills accountability. Oh, absolutely. There has to be accountability. Yeah, and that's no something... Question. On quite transparently, and we can maybe share this as we continue on the podcast, like where are we getting better? Mm-hmm. Um, this is an area we're trying to do a better job of defining mm-hmm. because it comes down to like the, you know, what gets measured gets managed. Mm-hmm. And we're great at coming up with ideas. We're great at dreaming. We're great at even coming up with the how. Mm-hmm. And and yet the, the most difficult thing, the most difficult thing for me to do is think about, well, when will we voice in your head's going off isn't it what's the voice saying low battery please recharge the headset the voice in your mind is saying low battery <laughs> and it's so oh, that's so it's constant you need more coffee um gosh now what was i even saying i turned it off accountability you were on accountability oh is is how how do you define how do you define what can be measured or what can't, mm-hmm. what is, what is someone truly accountable to? Mm-hmm. Cause there's the accountability of just saying, we will check the box that the thing was complete. Mm-hmm. Well, in our industry, that sometimes can be the worst thing to do, right? Is that if you just check boxes to say you built the thing, then likely you're building the wrong thing. Right. Um, and, and that's something that goes back to maybe something I think we're going to talk about in future seasons even is like how to successfully build great products. Mm -hmm. And I think that so often people are just checking the boxes of all the features that they ever could think of. Right. And so that's accountability. They did do it, but is there any multiplying effect of a team being more successful, a person being more successful Mm -hmm. or a product being more successful? And the short answer is no. Right. And I think one thing where you were also getting to is if you want to, okay, so ownership and freedom, freedom without any sort of boundary or constraint is yeah. anarchy. Yeah. Ooh. And so when you're giving someone a task and you want them to have ownership, if there's no constraint, um, there's no really true ownership mm-hmm. of it. They're really bound. They're, they're, they're not, they're not really free. There is a, an imposed boundary of some sort, but if you give them ownership and then you create that accountability, yeah. there yeah. really is a much greater sense of freedom because, I can now create a masterpiece. I can now lead this project well because I know what I can and can't do. I know the mm-hmm. boundaries and I, there's a greater sense of freedom that I can do it well. That's right. Um, and I, so yeah, ownership An investor gives ownership, but that clarity piece comes in again with like clear on here's the accountability. Here's what's going to get uh, managed. Yep. And I loved how you, dr- you dropped uh, Peter Drucker there. What gets measured gets managed. Last thing, we want to give three very practical tips to anyone who's listening out there. It's like, okay, how can I start multiplying and getting the most out of the individuals on my team? First, read the book. Yeah, it's and really I want good. To, I want to give a shout out to Liz Wiseman. This has been probably one of the best leadership books I've read. If anyone knows Liz, yeah, I'll be, we're just going to say it. I, I want to interview her. We really <laughs> want to interview her. Yeah. And we've been trying to figure out how to get to her to do that because I know she's highly in demand right now. Mm. Um, but this, I just, she would be fascinating. I think you and her would just nerd out, yeah. um, which, um, yeah. So if anybody knows her, if anybody has any connections there, please let us know. And it's one of those books that it keeps your attention to the very last page. Mm-hmm. There's new, uh, just, you know, great pieces of advice and wisdom throughout each chapter. So any, any hoops, so I was painting book. my living room while I listened to this book. And there were several times where the paint started to just dry on the paintbrush because I stopped. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, yeah, let me just listen for a little bit. <laughs> like, I just got distracted. And Jess was like, what are you doing? And I'm like, headphones. It's really good. This yeah. part, I want to get it. Yeah, I want to get it. So, really good. So, that's the first one. But then three, three quick things. One, get to know your team. Mm. If you are going to really harness the strengths or how the book talks about the inner genius of each member of your team. You have to get to know them. Yep. I think it's interesting. And that goes back to kind of how that's it's end of it. There, there are certain 
common truths, but then there are things that are going to be individualistic. Yep. Um, what a person is motivated by what, how they make decisions, mm-hmm. all questions we ask, by the way, in our interviewing process, mm-hmm. um, which we should go back and reference more later. But like, how do they answer that? That might be good for our coaching. Right. We don't do that as mm. should connect those mental things. note. Yep. Um, but I think, I, I think of certain individuals in our team where I've seen them unlock something that they, they, it was an aha moment for them to realize that was in them and, um, and then to be able to kind of flourish because of it, but they would have never, well, it they wouldn't have as quickly ha- have identified it themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and that either came from a peer, which again, this doesn't have to be just a top down thing. This could be the person next to you, um, or to someone who reports to you. Yep. So great. Two, two places to get to know your team really well. One is your one-on-ones. Yeah, that's, that, that's definitely from a leadership standpoint. Come, come to your one-on-ones with, and it doesn't, they don't always have to be questions around the, you know, the, per, the professional workplace. It could be, Hey, how was your weekend? Mm-hmm. Um, I, there that's going to show you like, what are they interested in? What, Absolutely. What, what makes them tick? Cause a lot of times they may reference, and this has happened to me, side projects that they do at home yeah. as creative outlets. And it's like, wow, I had no idea mm-hmm. that you liked that or you were good at that. And it's like, hmm. In my mind, I'm thinking, I wonder if we could utilize that talent yep. here yep. If, if a project ever comes up. So uh, one-on-ones and the lunch table. I was going to say eat. eat. Eat together. We've talked about it Happy before. hours, afternoon coffees. Mm-hmm. Go if you have pour-overs or if you it takes 10 minutes to make coffee in an air pot. If someone's there, talk to them. You know, it's the traditional water cooler. Yeah. It really does work. You know, I think companies are insanely stingy sometimes, mm. just in general. And I get it. There's cost savings. It's a thing. Yep. But I think that the investment into food and beverage, those two things is could be the backbone of a lot of cultures. Mm-hmm. Now, it doesn't mean you have to stock the fridge with beer, though we do. Right. Um, it, it is just giving people that space to go hang out in the kitchen for a second to grab a snack, grab a snack, hang around the, you know, like you said, the water cooler or the, the pour over station for us, mm-hmm. uh, for coffee and, um, and get to know each other better and talk. And what's the big challenge that you're dealing with right now? Mm-hmm. Um, and then we do that through our lunches as well. Um, I even do it from a, because I only have basically two, two kind of three people reporting to me directly. Mm-hmm. I'm, I don't want to miss out on getting to know the whole team. So I'm doing, although I keep having to reschedule them. Oh, I hate that. But um, I'm doing lunches with mm-hmm. everyone in the, in the, in the company. Mm-hmm. Um, and man, those are great. Um, this, you get to just hear so much more that you wouldn't even know. So right. Eat together. Number two, find an underutilized strength. So in those talks, in those one-on-ones or those casual conversations, mm. get to know... And there's other, there's formal ways to do this. You could do strength finders. There's tons of personality tests, which are great. You know, tackle them, use them. That's totally fine. But yep. you can find an underutilized strength just by talking to someone. And George referenced them already. Key questions we ask, what motivates you? How do you make decisions? You can quickly find out. It's like, okay, I understand how you're wired now. Yeah. And I understand that maybe we're using, you know, maybe 80% of your strengths. Right. And the other 20, if we could get you on this project, man, they would be, you would be a blessing to that project. And I think the opposite goes, um, you might be tasking someone or the re- job responsibility or the job description even might be that the person is being asked to do something that isn't. That's a great point. Isn't core to, to what motivates them or yep. drives them or whatever that might be. And so pivoting that saying, you know what, I want to take off, take off this half of having to manage people. Mm-hmm. I'm just using that example. Yep. Um, cause that just, just seems to drain you. You mm-hmm. seem like you just need, you want to just go create. Mm-hmm. Um, then let's, let's pull you back from management and put you back into a creator role. Right. Um, you're going to flourish there. Mm-hmm. The, your impact's going to be bigger, you know, better. Um, and so it's not always adding to, sometimes it's removing. It's too. removing. That's yeah. a really, really good point. And then last one, issue a challenge. So as you get to know them and you see a strength that maybe is underutilized, Find a challenge. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be a billable project that they're working on now. Every team, every company, there are internal projects that yeah. are a mile yeah. long. Find one of those. If there are, if someone, so for us, we work 40, our work week is 42 hours. Mm-hmm. And if you're billable, we want you to be at 35 hours, which leaves seven hours. 
And if you can find maybe an internal project to where they could dedicate four of those seven hours or all seven of those hours to try to get them to utilize a strength one, it's life giving to them and it's going to make your company better. Yeah. I, I think a couple of years back we were talking about like, what are the different mantras we want for our company? I don't know that we ever, we did it. It was one offsite thing that we did. Um, (laughs) And one year, and I still think it's something that I try to practice. I remember Michael really grabbing onto it, which is the question of what if. Mm -hmm. Um, And what if, and again, it's kind of goes back to option five. What if I learned Flutter? What if I picked up a new design software? What if we... We were talking recently about creating a UI library for Garmin devices. Mm-hmm. What if what if we did that? Garmin's not even a client. Like, it would just be something that would right. push us to say, "Well, we want to try something new." Um, and I love that. I love the "what if" question. Yep. Well, that brings us to the end of this topic. Mm. But something we like to ask at the end is just, you know, what what are some Books, podcasts, things that we're reading or consuming lately to try to learn and get better. How are you multiplying yourself? George? How am I multiplying myself? I was—I meant to bring in my phone for this. Um, so last episode, uh, I know we put, just put out a bonus episode recently that was an interview with um, Todd Henry, mm-hmm. um, who is the, um, if you didn't listen to that, you should go back and listen to the interview. He's just really, really smart guy or just Google him. He's, he's all over the place because now he's a, an author and a speaker. Um, his book, Hurting Tigers, not Hurting Tigers, which no, no. I've been They're caught. endangered species. <laughs> Are they? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. I don't, I mean, I don't fo- follow wildlife as much as you do. Like, you know, we were watching Our Planet, <laughs> yeah. you know. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> um, I, really, really, really good book on um, creative leadership. Um, it parallels a ton of what um, Liz Wiseman was talking about in Multipliers, um, but a little bit more down to specifically how to lead, coach, empower creatives. Um, and since everyone on our team is a creative, not just the creatives, mm-hmm. um, it it's it was really, really good. And it connected to uh, daily life. And then from a podcast perspective, I started listening to a podcast. It's from Praxis. Oh, yeah. They've got good content. Yeah. And it's Andy Crouch is doing mm-hmm. the, the interviews on it. Um, Hold on. I'm looking for it. It's right here. I'll find it. I don't see it. It should be right in front of me. Man, I listen to too many podcasts. Oh, dear. Where is it? Oh, Redemptive Edge. Ooh. Um, and the one that I was listening to, which I have to be honest, sometimes I don't really love like the kind of self-help podcasts. And at first I thought this kind of sounded like it was going to be that. Like and then they, yeah, yeah, then they got into the business of it. And it was the founder of Noonday, which is a, a B Corp. Um that does a jewelry line and it's direct sales. So like the kind of mm-hmm. uh, at home sales uh, model and then how she partners with um, artisans in Africa to create the products. Really cool story. A lot about courage and taking steps to what do you do in the face of fear? Like mm-hmm. everybody's afraid of things, but it's how you handle that fear um, which um, really maybe shapes who you are in, in a big way. So do you face the fear and kind of jump into it mm-hmm. or do you run from the fear? Um, and I think that's, I mean, option five, right? I mean, being able to say, am I going to face that fear of that risk and yep. step into it? Or am I going to say, no, it's just too hard. I'm going to step away. Mm. So uh, really, really good podcast. Check that out. You know, for me, I will confess that I need a new podcast to listen to. So I think I, I have might. approximately <laughs> 24 right here for you. There's <laughs> no, I really, I think the one you just, you just referenced might be the one I start to listen to. It's good. It's only a few. You're, you're not going to be too far behind. Cause I think there's only maybe three episodes so far. Awesome. So I recommend it. I mean, otherwise uh, I've been really diving back into the book multipliers because of our book study. Yeah. And then our, we had a recently had our leadership offsite where dove back into radical candor. I want to read that another, another really, really good read, uh, by Kim Scott. And, um, I realized that I did not finish that. I had my bookmark probably about 80% through. So I have, I've, I've quoted it a lot, but never actually read it. So it's good stuff. Okay. There you go. All right. Um, we're Get getting multiply. I will, yeah. Multiply your I'll just say, if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to this channel. I know we say it at the end, but I really want people to get subscribed. 
to give us, um, please, please, please um, rate and review. We only have a few reviews in the podcast, and I'd love to see more of those. Yep. Uh, I'd love to see what you think. Uh, where we can get better. And we're wrapping up the season. We probably only have one or two more episodes in this particular season. Then we're going to take a break to kind of think about what's next. Uh, but this has been a lot of fun. We want to do more of it. So we'd love your feedback to, to figure out how we can make it better. So thank you guys and have a, Dan, you have a good day. You too, George. Well, I'll try. All right. Cheers. Bye. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please leave us a review on iTunes, and if you think about it, would you give us five stars? That helps us out a lot. This podcast is edited by Larissa McCarty, with help from our growth team, Gabby Brotherton, Nate Olson, and Alexa Houston. Check out our show notes at option5podcast.com. Crema is a digital product agency that crafts product teams that design, build, and ship innovation to the world's top scaling companies. We believe that creativity, technology, and people can change the future of business. Learn more about Crema at crema.us. I'm Dan. And I'm George. And you've been listening to Option 5 by Crema.